Welcome to the UK Educators Community Podcast hosted by Sid, an award-winning STEM communicator, serial entrepreneur and educational consultant and coach. Now my vision is to make maximum impact in the world through education, but I know I can't do this alone. This is where you guys come in. Why don't you join me on this journey as we as educators and entrepreneurs create impact one child at a time. Now I know being an entrepreneur can be both lonely and overwhelming. At UK Educators Community, we've created a community of like-minded, like-valued individuals all supporting each other. From the Champions Club accountability groups to business retreats in Marrakesh, you'll find industry-specific support to help you propel your business forward. So why don't you join us? Join our Facebook group, UK Educators, or find some great resources on the website at ukeducators.com. We look forward to welcoming you to our community. We're going to be talking to Gemma Bull today. So Gemma is an educator. I've known Gemma for a period of time. We communicate a lot over Facebook and I've met her recently over Zoom a few weeks ago and I'm really excited to have her on my podcast today and we're going to be interviewing her and finding out what her life is like and what she does on a day-to-day basis. So welcome Gemma. Thank you Sid. Thank you for inviting me to be part of the podcast. Tell us a little bit about you and how you got into tutoring. My path is quite a familiar one. I started as a teacher. I qualified as an English teacher in 2003. Uh, So gained my QTS then, NQT the following year. I worked in a variety of schools around uh, Hampshire, both primary and secondary. Uh, I was assistant head of English, year leader, house leader, all kinds of things as well. Whole school literacy coordinator. So I took on lots of different roles uh, during my time in the classroom. And then I decided to stop classroom teaching at the end of 2018. And I started working as an education consultant. So I did some tutoring as part of that. Predominantly, I was creating curriculums and doing lesson development for a variety of companies, both national and international, uh, particularly focused on education companies in China. Uh, So that was really exciting. And a lot of that was 7, 11 and 13 plus. So for one company, I created their whole curriculum for English across from Key Stage 1 all the way up to Key Stage 3, including a reading club and so on. So it was great, really different experience to working in a school. Unfortunately, when the pandemic hit, with China being one of the earliest hit, they were a little concerned budget wise about paying a consultant. Um, So I had to have a rethink. I had wanted to kind of set up tutoring company myself for a long time. And so I started Lion Education middle of last year. And here I am. So it's a very new company. And uh, and from what I've seen on Facebook, you're doing really well. And you're always very active. And you seem to be doing great. And I would have imagined that you've been working as a tutor and as a company owner for far, far longer than you have, which is brilliant, which means you've got a great brand awareness. Uh, So tell us a little bit about earlier on like were you always a teacher or did you do something else in between? I was a student for a long time so uh, I originally did a sociology degree uh, with the idea of being a social worker and then I did some work in social care and decided that that wasn't for me and I when I was uh, a young child I always said if anyone asked what do you want to be to grow up want to be a teacher want to be a teacher I think it's just the experience of bossing around my older brothers to be honest I thought this would be good to do as a career <laughs> according to my mum I used to literally register my teddy bears so I guess it was kind of destined 
So if you always wanted to be a teacher, why didn't you go straight into that? I think I, I loved sociology. That was the subject that I, I always loved English. I've always been an avid reader, but I really loved sociology when I did it A-level. And I think at 18, I, you know, I like gigs and music and wearing my Doc Martens and generally just hanging out at pubs, playing pool and things. And I was all into sort of, I am still into sort of social awareness and so on, but it seemed a natural step to kind of go into the social work field. And I was accepted to do a master's with a diploma in social work, uh, but I decided to turn it down because whilst I was taking some time out from uni, I ended up working at a college in Portsmouth in Hampshire. One of the groups I worked with were, they were called bridging students and they wouldn't use the term now, but they were students who hadn't achieved at school and they needed some support in order to access college courses. And I ended up working with them and some of them were a little older than I was or certainly the same age and it just felt right. It's like everything clicked into place. So I went home to my parent, my poor parents, and said to them, they were poor after supporting me through two degrees. I went home to them and said, would you mind if I went back to uni and did like an English degree so that I had a, a core subject to be a teacher with? And they thankfully, and I'm so grateful, said, absolutely, that's fine. So I went back to uni and did an English degree and then I went straight into the PGCE. So I did lots. I worked all the way through uni. I worked in care homes. I worked in Sainsbury's. I worked for B&Q. I always worked alongside. So I have done lots of other jobs, but teaching has predominantly been my career. You always find your chosen path, right? You always find your calling. Mm. No matter what you decide mm. to do when you go off path, it'll call yeah, you back yeah. again. <laughs> Absolutely. And you'll find your way. Yeah. I had a similar where I wanted to be a teacher when I was younger. And then one of my class teachers said something in year nine and it completely put me off teaching. I was mm. like, well, if she doesn't think I can do it, I don't think I can do it sort of attitude. And actually I would do what she expected of me which was the yeah. opposite of what I really wanted to do. And it's interesting how the psychology plays on kids' minds. Like mm. some people will kind of go, no, I'm going to show you the opposite. And some people will just go, yeah, I give up. And I yeah. was the, I give up because you don't believe in me sort of attitude. Yeah, and, yeah. and I didn't believe that I could be a teacher for a long time, but I found my way back again. And I think mm. it's interesting that you found your way back as well after yeah. many years later. It's interesting you say that because I remember seeing my old primary school teacher lived up the road from me when I lived at home I used to see and stop and talk to him regularly um, he used to call me his little gem when I was at school and uh, he still said to me oh it's my little gem even though I wasn't remotely little at that point so you stop and he knew I'd gone on and done a sociology degree and when I told him I was going back to do English to teach he was like don't do it don't do it you'll hate it and I was like whoa that's like that's quite extreme thing to say and I was just like, do you know what? He was really inspiring as a teacher. He was fantastic. I loved him. He was one of my favourite teachers. And I thought, if I can inspire someone like he did, then it is worth doing. Um, so yeah. therefore, I'm going to take that on board. You know, he was, by this point, I think he'd either was just about to retire and so much change had happened. And I think he just was just a bit fed up perhaps at that particular mm. point and I don't think it defined his whole career by any stretch but it's a good job I was more of a no nah, I'm gonna prove you wrong <laughs> than, than <laughs> oh I'll give up the go back to my mum and go I want to be a doctor <laughs> instead <laughs> and yeah it's interesting that you see it that way rather than seeing it as he inspired me to be a teacher and carry on that cycle of 
not wanting to be like going into the job and then hating it because you eventually did leave and I'm assuming you got tired of the classroom or was there a different reason that you left teaching? It was just a really interesting, interesting in good and bad ways sort of last few years for me. I lost two close family members in quite a a short period of time. Uh, My brother died very suddenly and then my my absolute favourite aunt died and I realised that I missed, thank you, and I realised I missed time with them because I was working crazy hours you know what it's like when you're working in a school Mm. it can be like 70 80 hours and never feeling like anything's finished like my aunt had had a wedding anniversary party the year before she died and I didn't go because I was writing reports and they had to be done by that the following Monday Um, and when you realize actually you know that was my last opportunity to go I obviously saw her before she passed from then but I just felt like I was missing out on stuff um, and missing out on the most important stuff so that was one factor I didn't appreciate Michael Gove's input into the overhaul of the uh, curriculum particularly for GCSE I was teaching GCSE at the time Um, I I, I just I hate it (laughs) basically um, the way they changed the English they've they've taken out so many incredible texts and just made it much more elitist, much more available only to the most academic. Um, and that's not something that sat well with me as a teacher. And then I had a few health things myself, minor, but stuff that I couldn't get on top of when I was teaching and really just not having the time to look after myself as well as I needed to. So as I say, cumulative. So it was never, I hated teaching. I always loved the classroom. I loved planning, marking. I could live without because <laughs> it's a drag uh, sometimes, but largely I really enjoyed my time as a teacher but there were frustrations and it just felt Mm. like the right time in my life. So Mr. Burton wasn't entirely right. (laughs) (laughs) Talking to a lot of different educators and hearing their stories, there's always this one thread where everyone I've spoken to loves the working with the kids aspect. Mm. They completely adore it, whether it's in Mm. a group or whether it's one-to-one or whether it's inspiring or whatever style Mm. or method it is. What they didn't like and the reason that they were driven out of the classroom or decided to leave was everything else that comes along with it mm. um, and not having the ability to completely freely teach that they were the way that they wanted. And in your case, mm. being restricted by the curriculum in a way that you didn't mm. want to be restricted by. Mm. And I think it's a shame. There was a gentleman that reached out to me who had gone into teaching, I believe in 78, I believe if I'm right. Uh, so he was a, a right. teacher well before I was born. And um, he was saying it was very different back then where they could go in and teach whatever they wanted. But mm. because they had a passion for the subject, the kids were so keen to learn because they were learning from someone that was mm. so passionate. Um, yeah, yeah. And he goes, it's completely different now. And he doesn't understand how teachers kind of do it now because it's so restricted and it's so Mm. dictated to us what we have Mm. to do living through that and I can't imagine school being any different because I've always seen it to be except for my primary my primary was a bit more liberal like we could do Mm. whatever the teacher used to just come and go I don't feel like working today so we're gonna just chill and play games and we're like yay look um, look johnny bought in a shell from the beach let's write a description of it that's what we used yeah, to get at yeah. primary school and then we go oh shells exactly it's, it's so responsive to the kids sometimes as mm. well you're mm. like oh okay oh it's raining outside let's let's talk about rain and we'll uh, mm. we'll create a song or whatever and i think things like that work really well with the kids because kids live in the moment 
They mm. don't have any sense of the future. They don't have any sense of what's gone on. They're like in the moment and they want to mm. enjoy that moment. And I think his approach to teaching that would have existed all that time ago would have been very different from how we do it now. And for someone to see that change, and I guess for your teacher, he would have seen that change happening mm. as well. Yeah, um, yeah. I can see why they become disheartened by the education yeah. system. Well, we kind of go in with the energy and so we stick with it until we're completely exhausted. <laughs> Drained, <laughs> uh, like a husk. Yeah. Because we don't know any different. So we think, oh, yeah. it's okay. This is how it's meant to be. Yeah. And then what I've realized is it's not how it, it it's not. We can change it. We can make mm. that change. And it might not be in the system, but we can demonstrate how it can be done differently through our businesses and what you're doing as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's a sense of almost like Stepford teachers, though, isn't there? Quite a lot of the time, like you say, like it's become so prescriptive and so rigid. I mean, even mm. in some schools I worked at, they were like, you know female teachers must wear a dress must never wear leggings must do this must do that <laughs> and it's like am I just not here to inspire kids does it really matter exactly. what I've got on my legs you know I'm not talking about being inappropriate obviously there are certain things I would, I would never wear a crop top in my life anyway but I would, certainly wouldn't wear one into a classroom it felt like they were just conveyor belts of Stepford teachers and yes. Stepford. I can remember being in a school once and talking to a child. He was a he was a challenging boy. This was in a secondary school, and he was he was a challenge. But he and I got on quite well. And he was misbehaving in my class. And I asked him just to step outside for a minute, and then went out to speak to him whilst the rest of the class were carrying on. And we had a little chat. And he'd been having a really rough time. And although he won't be listening to this, I won't reference what that particular rough time was and and we sorted it out and he came back in and he did the rest of the lesson and then I actually got pulled into my head of department's uh, office and told off and just like you shouldn't be wasting time if children misbehave and I'm like pardon like what on earth like that's my job you know there's more to me than just grades and I always had excellent results with my classes I was multiple times outstanding when Ofsted used to give grades um, and positive feedback when they didn't specify grades as well so there was no question about my teaching ability but it was as important to me to make sure the students were okay and I just thought this is a really bizarre situation when you're being told off for helping a kid and getting them back in a classroom you know and there's so much of that you know and I'm I'm on quite a lot of uh, uh, Facebook group I don't think called life after teaching and the stories you see on there about the way some teachers are treated and their workload and so on is it's it's not good at the moment and like you say the things that we can do as as individuals and companies hopefully can make education a more positive experience for not only us as the as the educators but also the students that work with us yeah definitely and it reminds me of a story where I was in a physics class that I was teaching and there were a class of 17 kids in this particular class and it being A-level physics, 16 of them were boys and there was one girl. Mm -hmm. And she was the one that was struggling. She was borderline failing um, and, and going towards a fail. And the lads were getting on with it. They were fine. So I took the time out to sit with her. And this was a lesson I was being observed in. I took the time out to sit with her and and work through the issues that she was having on that particular topic. And I got taken aside and told, why are you wasting your time on someone that's going to fail anyway? Right? You should be pushing the, the kids that are on a B to an A. You know? and, and back then it was, a, it was like the Bs to an As and mm. getting, getting the target grades for, for those kids. And, and I was like, well, she's the one that needs the support. The others yeah. are fine. 
Yeah, right? yeah. they're fine. Like yeah. I can just give them a bit more challenging questions and they will work through it. But she's the one that's leading support. And that kind of attitude is ethically, it doesn't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. The values Same. aren't aligned there. And, and, and you're right. Like a lot of the rules are there to just enforce power. Mm. rather than to build a relationship yeah which is what's gonna get the kids to actually work with you yeah it's not the enforcing the power bit it's the actual building the yeah, relationship yeah. they're so fixated with ties done up properly you can't mm. take your blazer off in the summer and i'm like i'm gonna take my I, blazer off so yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna let my kids take their blazers off it's hot I used to, um, with my students, with that, I, I used to say, right, take them off. And then if anyone comes in, just put them on really quickly again. Yeah, yeah, same, same, so, same, same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or just undo your tie, but do it up really quickly if the head comes in. Because like you say, I, I was taking my jacket off. I wasn't wearing a tie and so on. So it's crazy. I was just kind of roll back slightly uh, again with that building relationships. I worked in a um, school where a boy's mum was murdered it was horrific it was all over the news and everything else really really awful and I spoke to him about it not in detail obviously but just passed on my condolences and chatted through with him and he said to me you're the only teacher that's mentioned it to me and I was like that is so wrong on so many levels because they everybody else seemingly had just expected him to come in and carry on as normal and I just said to him, you know, you let me know, you need time out, we can sort your space to go and so on. Because like, I can't even, I couldn't even get my head around something like that. And I had yeah. recently lost my brother. So I knew about loss, but loss in that way would, I mean, I couldn't even get my head around how he was putting one foot in front of the other. As his teacher, I could at least show him some kindness, but it seemed like he was GCSE year. So it was almost like we just carry on. And it's like, yeah, but people come on now that you know this poor lad is is going through something huge in his life life changing and that needs to be recognized and he needs to be shown some care I think we have a culture in Britain where we there's certain things we don't talk about and Mm. death is one of them right we don't we just don't talk about it it's such a taboo subject and and Pooh's another one on a lighter hearted comment (laughs) Pooh's another one (laughs) exactly and I've also done like a, a show on on death I did a mm. science event. Um, I was invited to run something because the person thought I'd be so inspiring. And I was like, I don't know. I don't, I'm not really a biologist. <laughs> but mm. I did a lot of research. And when I delivered it, people really connected with it because it's not a topic that's delivered in a way where people can um, see things. So we, we actually talked about biological definition of death, the, the, the medical definition of death mm. and the different definitions of death and what's actually happening internally when your body dies. And so we talked about it from that perspective and what's brain death and the difference between the heart stopping and the brain stopping. And, and it's really fascinating. And like medical death is not how we perceive death to be. So I think just even talking about that and topics like that, people don't know what to say. People mm. don't know what to say. Two of the things that we're absolutely certain about in life, poop and death, yeah. and people won't talk about them. Like, we'll poop and we'll die at some point, unfortunately, and yet it's they're the taboos. It's it's That is interesting. Maybe, maybe that's why, because mm. we know we can't avoid them, but we can avoid talking about them because yes, that yeah. will magically Shh. make them disappear, right? <laughs> it doesn't really happen. Shh. No, no, exactly. No, no. And it, it's really interesting. And, and this was like a... Um, a, a, like essentially a death conference like every speaker there came death to talk conference. about death 
Uh, yeah, it was. Sorry, and I don't they know had, why like... that's funny, but it just sounds like something out of a film or something. Like, But it was such a fascinating day because she'd collated all of these people that worked in different aspects. So in bereavement, in like grieving, in mm. like actual actually making unusual coffins. Like it was so fascinating. And mm. you could go around and speak to them individually after they'd done this, uh, their speeches. And just having that, ability to just go and question things that we don't question because whenever we experience death that's not the right time to talk about death with that person then right Mm. but we never have an opportunity to openly just ask questions Mm. about death and having that day there where people could do that and and you know that I've suffered a a loss as well from a dear Mm. friend and and just I don't know what to say to her close friends because I wasn't as close as some of her best friends and it's difficult because we've never been taught education should encompass this it should encompass talking about grieving it should encompass Mm. because everyone's going to experience it right yeah so it often feels like words are insufficient as well don't they like we've got all these adjectives and phrases in the English language and yet when it comes to expressing to someone how you feel about their loss, it's like, uh, my words feel, in fact, I often start with words feel insufficient, but please know, I'm so sorry for what you've been through, or, you know, I'm thinking of you, um, you know, you and I talked when you lost your friend, didn't we, yeah. via messenger and so on, and I think you appreciated just that recognition of what you were going through at that point, but yeah, I agree, I think, it should be talked about because it's death and taxes and poop apparently are the three things we can be certain of and and I think also because people don't know what to say they then avoid it Mm. they don't want to be put into that awkward position and they avoid talking about it at all and I really struggled to reach out to her best friend because it was her best friend that told me initially and Mm. I didn't know what I wanted to give her space and I didn't know what to say and it's so difficult because then I, I got her to speak to me. I was like, I, I, are you okay? After a few weeks, I was speaking to her and she goes, I do appreciate you reaching out to me. And, and I, I felt gu- guilty because I felt like I didn't do enough at that point. Mm. Um, but, the, but the lady that ran that death conference, that's what she does. She's an educator that helps people to understand grief. Mm. and how to deal with it and that's what she she goes into schools and she she talks about this and she does this and I think things like that are so important mm. um and yet, yet they're not done and I don't know how we've got onto this topic but it's such a fascinating yeah yeah it's so, so fascinating <laughs> but let's go back to um, the, the, the kind of title of the podcast a day in the life of so let's have a look at the day in the life of Gemma what does it look like for you because I know you're going through some big transitional changes in your business just like yesterday right so do you want to talk about that and then talk about where you're intending to go because your days are probably going to look different now when I first set up uh, Lion Education I was really keen to sort of get together with like-minded tutors and sort of work with the team ethos I wasn't looking to make a lot of money I just wanted people with very similar ethos to me who could kind of come on board Uh, What I found, which we've talked about a lot and I've talked about with other educators as well, is at the moment I'm very much, I think I'm almost brand lion for want of a better way of putting it. So I think that when people think of lion education, if they do, I think they think of me as being the sole tutor. So it's been quite tricky to sort of secure work for other tutors. But also I found that perhaps uh, uh, the tutors that have been working with me are all very effective tutors but I think they probably have 
different things going on in their life and perhaps different views on things and so on. So what I've decided in the last 24 hours, although as with leaving teaching, these things are cumulative, so I've been thinking about it for a while, is to kind of just dial it back a little bit and be much more focused on what I'm doing. I've been very fortunate to secure enough work for me to working with some fabulous parents and students. I do both one-to-one and small group. It's almost exclusively for entrance exams, predominantly 11 plus, but also seven and 13 plus as well for English and VR. So what I'm doing myself, uh, particularly in terms of resources, I write all my own lessons. I create everything myself. If I'm doing an exam paper with a student, I write it myself. So all these lovely resources that I'm using for the students, I want to start putting onto my website to sell, Mm. um, recording videos to go alongside them and so on. So to offer a scaled option for parents so they can have the premium sort of one to one, uh, the small group or access to resources via the website and via pre-recorded videos and so on, which obviously will work out cheaper for parents. Because I'm really mindful that not all parents can afford the small group tuition, let alone the premium one-to-one tuition. So I feel like that's the better focus for me at the moment. Uh, That's not to say I won't look to grow with other tutors again, but as we've discussed, I had some fantastic advice on on some of the Facebook groups yesterday. I need to probably approach it slightly differently next time, but I'm learning. You know, this is my first mm. business of my own. I'm learning a lot. I'm, I feel like I know almost all there is to know about teaching English and VR to different ages, but I am learning a lot about how to run a business and, and how to, to do things with the most impact and the most effectively and as I say I feel very fortunate in a short space of time I've built up the brand that I have um, the sort of followers that I have uh, the clients that I have and it's just about where do I take this now to be the most impactful for the near future and then longer term perhaps think again so I basically redid my website last night (laughs) to (laughs) to reflect this change because when I make a decision I'm all in uh so yeah so that happened (laughs) you remind me a lot about me because I'm like that when I've got an idea in my head it's gotta go into play right there because then I'll change my mind again or or something else will prop up and I really need to put it into action there and then Mm. so I don't get inundated with other tasks because this has been toying and I've talked it through with other educators I've talked it through with my family and friends and so on over the last little while like what's what do you think the best way to do this and I get people's advice and then I percolate it all and then come up with a with an answer and then once I've made that decision like you say you want to just get it done so it's ticked Mm. off and then now I'm starting, you know, not in a few weeks time, I'm doing it from now, this is where the change will happen. And you talked about your brand being the lion brand, right? Um, <laughs> do you also dress up as a lion at any point? <laughs> well, no, I think it would work I, so well for your brand, especially if only, it's just you now, right? Only on a Friday night. No. Um, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I need to, to invest in some costumes. I, I'm going to sound like a complete crazy cat lady now, but actually the name came from my cat when I was sort of setting it up. I, I don't know how you found it, but I was trying to come up with different names on companies' house and they were almost all taken. There were obviously so many education companies and I was trying to think of different adjectives I could add and I came up with like energize education and fortitude because I love that word someone else decided they also loved it and then my cat kind of 
wandered in and he's called Rafiki, although he's known as Rafi. And I was, and he's like meowing at me. And I'm thinking, I'm not, I can't call it Rafiki education. That would be ridiculous. And then I just went, oh, he's from the Lion King. And then I was like, lion, I love it. And it's just the ethos of the learn to roar sort of catchphrase that I've got is not necessarily just academically. It's about being assertive, about being resilient, about being confident. It's more the kind of Katy Perry roar rather than the lion in the jungle ripping a antelope apart roar, if you know what I mean. You could really go all out with the branding and have your cat to be part of it. Like that would be so cool. And you could dress up because it's about standing apart and especially if you've become very central in your business it could be a way of standing you apart from everyone else I've just announced that I'm the poo lady right so I'm just like this is true maybe I need to be the lion lady exactly because that's had um some great uh, social media presence and I've been reached out by a few people and and it's amazing how you can put such great stuff out there but no one sees it until you mention that you're the poo lady and then they're like oh (laughs) I need to reach out and have a chat with this person um and it was really funny because there's one guy that reached out and I had a zoom meeting for two hours with him and it went really well and uh and I said to him so you saw the poo post but our conversation has nothing to do with poo and he goes it's a bit like McDonald's they'll talk about their burgers but then they're not really about the burgers they're about everything else that they're selling as well right (laughs) so I you kind of inspired me to kind of reach out to you because of the poo but it's not really the poo that I want to talk about and I thought that was a really interesting way that he put that across the branding draws people into you as a person and then you could be offering so much under that because that's what I was afraid of if I get classed as a poo lady are people (laughs) going to realize all the other stuff that I do yeah but I think it still works and it just shows my personality that I dare to stand apart um so it's really interesting how people perceive that um so in terms of a typical day for you what did it look like before and how do you think it's going to change so what time do you kind of wake up in the morning um what kind of tasks were you doing during the day when were you teaching when were you working on the business and looking after Mm. your tutors and how do you think that's going to change going forward so it's been obviously a little bit different over the summer, obviously being an entrance exam specialist, I'm doing an mm. awful lot of tutoring at the moment for those students, particularly who are taking their exams in September, October time. So there's a lot of tutoring. I don't wake up early. I think you and I have had this conversation as well about being night owls. I do my best thinking at night, which is why I was redesigning my website at midnight last night. So I'm not an early riser. Uh, so I tend to start tutoring about half nine, ten o'clock, something like that. Completely In the morning? Busy. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. early. Oh, okay. Is it? <laughs> it is for me. <laughs> what time do you start? <laughs> I, don't, I don't do any teaching. If I can help it, I don't do any teaching or any meetings before 11. Right. See, uh, to half 10 is my ideal, but I do have a couple who want a little bit earlier. I won't do anything before nine. That's my absolute earliest. I've had a few people um, message me and ask for preschool tuition at seven o'clock in the morning. And I'm just like, literally, A, I'm not ca- convinced I'll actually be awake for it. And B, even if I am physically awake, I'm not sure my brain will be awake. I just don't, I'm not a a, a, a morning person at all. I think it was Andrea that I interviewed. I think it was Andrea who I've interviewed a few episodes before you. 
and she teaches in a school and she was talking about getting up early. Oh, I don't know whether it was her now, but doing something in the morning. One one person was and I was like, oh, wow, like yeah. that is some commitment. I can do yeah, a late yeah, one, yeah. but I wouldn't do a morning one. Yeah, I can do a late one. In term time, I'll choose you up to nine o'clock-ish. I do later than that, but my students are quite little, obviously. So I wouldn't have any objection to tutoring up to 10 o'clock at night, but don't get me before nine in the morning because it's just not going to happen. And that's one of the joys, isn't it, of being able to control your own schedule. You know, when I was teaching in a school, I had to be up at half six. And in, in 16 years, I never managed to get a good routine where I would go to bed early enough. So I'd always be going to bed at 12, one o'clock getting five six hour night was a good night as we were sort of talking about earlier and then not looking after yourself yeah our brains kind of come alive during the evening and then when it gets to around I find nine ten is when I'm like I, I, I can sit down and focus it's almost like you feel like you're cheating time because yeah. you're you're catching up when everyone's winding down And if that's when you're waking up in terms of your mind's waking up and you can do your best marking and your best planning, then, Mm. then you can't be going to bed because that's when you're thinking of ideas. If I'm in bed before midnight, that's an early night for me. You know, even even if I'm ill, you know, maybe a little bit earlier, but, but generally I, you know, I've got some friends that go to sleep at like half past nine. I'm like, what? (laughs) So I'm just finishing my dinner at half past nine, let alone, you know, going (laughs) to sleep. So, you know, that's the beauty of this really, that I can control that schedule and do it how I want to. So in the term time, I do, I have a couple of students who are educated at home. Uh, so I do some sessions with them, but they don't, they also are not the morning people. So we start at half yeah. 11 and then I pretty much go through until about half eight on a Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. And then I don't tutor on a Monday or Friday. Monday I do admin and Friday I try and not do anything at all. So I try and have a rule of computers off Thursday night and goes back on Saturday morning. And then I tutor all day Saturday and Sunday morning. That's normally the sort of rough schedule of things. So when you say all day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, is that literally from nine till half eight? No, there's lots of time in between. So I do a couple of lessons in the morning on a Tuesday and Thursday. Um, nothing in the morning on Wednesday. It's all through the afternoon, but it's pretty much through from one thirty right the way through. So in between on a Tuesday and Thursday, that's when I do things like marketing and and scheduling and all of those kinds of things but now I can be really focused on my own resourcing and so on which is something that I've been really looking forward to doing so come September there'll be no stopping me. (laughs) I'm like you I love making resources Mm. and just being able to put time aside to work on that is a is a bit of a luxury right and at the moment I just don't have the capacity and I don't have the time and I miss it I really miss being able to Mm. just absorb myself in in Mm. creating stuff yeah Um, and I think that's what I really enjoy but it's also difficult when you've got like a day off and I'm sure you find this as well like the Monday that you put aside for admin Mm. because you don't have that structure to the day because there's no meetings there's nothing planned some days can just be spent hardly doing anything because you're, mm. your your body's still catching up from yeah, yeah. from all the intensity you put it through and yeah. I guess that's where you and I are very similar where we kind of work at such an intense mm. level for such a long time and then we're just mm. catching up on just catching up <laughs> yeah, yeah. on life for a bit. Uh, Friday last week where I, I didn't have any tutoring 
and I had sort of arranged to see a couple of friends and things and then I was just like I actually can't I just need a quiet day Mm. like it wasn't like I didn't do anything I was cleaning my house and doing washing and stuff so I wasn't just sat on my bum all day but sometimes I just need that quiet I think um, just to give my brain a bit of a rest really uh, because my brain is always going a million miles an hour thinking about things and planning you know I think when you're a really creative person often often I'll be hoovering and thinking about lessons I might create um you, do you know what I mean so a lot of it's yeah. the thinking a lot of the thought process goes on while I'm doing other things or I might yeah. just be sat in the garden but I'll be thinking through what can I do for that student and and this that and the other um and thankfully because I create all the lessons for the students I teach a lot of my resources are in existence. I just need to spruce them up a bit for selling them. So that will be the focus in the autumn. That's going to be really exciting because then you'll have lots of things being released as well. And there's some satisfaction with seeing something in in like properly done and finished and ready for sale. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, obviously it's a passive income because it will be created and, you know, see what comes of it. And I recognise it will be slow. There's so many, so many resources, particularly for the 11 plus out there Mm. many of which are free very cheap also from very very well established people so I recognize it might be a bit of a slow slow burn but anything that I can earn through that I can kind of invest into other things anyway so you know I'm happy for it to just trickle through and just enjoy the creativity of it all. How do you see things changing now that you've decided that you're going to work on Uh, just building the brand around you for now? I think in terms of sort of conversations with parents. So I offer a free consultation, which I'm always happy to do. And I talk through things with parents. I had had one with a parent last night and it ended up being like an hour and 15 minutes. And and about 15 minutes of it was actually about tutoring and education. We were just generally chatting. And I think that's good for parents to get a sense of your values and, and kind of what you stand for and so on. But I think so much of my time has been spent either trying to market other tutors or speaking to parents about other tutors. Hopefully now, because I know a lot of tutors through being members of different groups and so on, I can refer on to people. So it's just a case of saying to a parent, you know, I don't do that or I'm full, but, you know, do contact such and such. I know they're excellent at maths or science or whatever it might be. So I think the time on that will will really benefit me to, to have a little bit more time for myself, but also for my own work, I guess. I know it is all my own work because it's all the companies, but just a bit more focus on what I'm doing with the parents mm. I work with and the students I work with. And as I say, the creative side of things, I do get a bit of a buzz doing the creative side. So I'm looking forward to having a little bit more of that. And I know we spoke about this before we started the podcast, that you do see yourself growing as well at some point in the future, mm. just not yet. Um, so do you have a vision of when you're intending to do that? I think I would imagine if I if I do decide to do it, and I, I hope that I will, I would think it wouldn't be until next year at the earliest. And that's kind of as far forward as I've thought at this point. I think I just need to do all of those things that I'm planning on doing first. And I think it's a bit like we were saying earlier about, you know, I, I thought about social work and then I went into teaching. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of doing something now, but maybe I'll end up guided somewhere completely different because you just can never tell in life where you might be, you know, what path yeah. you might take and, and where that might take you to. 
um, in the future. Yeah, so we'll see. That sounds really exciting. It's been a pleasure talking to you and getting to know a bit more about uh, the big changes that you're going to be implementing and how you're going to be focusing on your brand and just having a general chit chat because I always <laughs> love uh, catching up with you. So thank you so much Likewise. for taking the time out. Thank <laughs> it's you been for brilliant, inviting me it? to be part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's my first ever podcast. So if it's rubbish, my apologies. <laughs> <laughs> You've done fab. You've done fab, Gemma. <laughs> thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to our conversation and took lots of value from it for your business. Now, if you did, please remember to do me a favor and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss another episode. If you fancy becoming a member of the Champions Club or would like to attend a learning workshop or maybe even the business and cultural retreat in Marrakesh, then visit the website ukeducators.com where you'll find lots of information. You can also join our Facebook community at UK Educators. I'm Sid, you've been listening into the UK Educators Community Podcast and I'll see you next Sunday when we release another episode.